Well, I am so excited today. I've been so looking forward to this. I have a, a brand brand new friend to me, uh, Andre Robbie, who's all the way from South Africa. For those of you who have been tracking with him, you're going to be like, yeah, I've been waiting for this. And for those of you who don't know him, you need to because he's amazing. And I'll just read a little bit of Andre's bio. But before I do that, welcome, Andre. Such a joy. Thank you, Catherine, for the invitation. And I'm so looking forward to the conversation. Me too. I am so, and you are so welcome. That That's just such a, a privilege. So a little bit about Andre, and I love how you start this, Andre. Andre, Rabe, did I say that, Rabe, correctly? That's good. Okay. Is a storyteller, theologian, philosopher, author, and public speaker. Andre earned his doctorate degree in theology from Northwind Theological Seminary. Seminary. He is known for his contributions to research on mimetic theory, open and relational theology, process philosophy, science and religion. And I love this last part and how to make these ideas relevant to real life. Love that. He has authored numerous books. I love the title of this, including Creative Chaos. I can't say I've gotten that yet, but I will because that sounds fascinating. Together with his wife, Marianne, they founded Mimesis Academy, an online program drawing from cutting edge research in psychology, anthropology, philosophy, and theology. And I will include contact information if you want to check that out, but welcome. <laughs> Thanks so much. It's a joy to be here. Yay, that's so wonderful. So we were thinking that maybe we'd be chatting about, uh, it's a hot button for me, and I've heard you speak a lot on it from a really unique, fascinating take, uh, Mm -hmm. and that is on the subject of identity. And uh, so... So, Andre, you know, what is on your heart? You've been, um, you know, you, you come from so many different directions, which makes you really uniquely qualified to bring a perspective that is beautiful and unique and powerful. So, Thank you. Sure. The, the topic of identity, it is massive. And, um, you know, we use those words, psychology, theology, philosophy, as ways in which we can kind of narrow down our focus and the questions we ask and and the kind of knowledge and mythology we use to get to answers. But life and experience does not come to us prepackaged with uh, all kinds of labels on to say this is now going to be a theological experience and this is going to be a um, psychological experience. We we just experience the richness of existence, and I think it's because experience has such an inexhaustible depth that we've developed these compartments to try and deal with a, a, a small subset of understanding and knowledge um, to get the grasp into it. But uh, but life and experience in itself has got an incredible depth. And when, when it comes to identity, there are so many areas that we can, and perspectives we can begin with. 
And um, maybe I'm going to throw this question back to you to try and decide which which way to begin. <laughs> or maybe let, let me give an introduction. When I when I started thinking about the theme for today, I thought back of my my development and my me growing up in Christianity, mm-hmm. and maybe some of the audience will identify with this, but within the Christian tradition that I grew up with, one of the one of the aspects that was very important and emphasized was the aspect of guilt or innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you found a lot of your identity mm-hmm. in um, am I pleasing to God or not? Have I messed up or not? Did I sin? Do I need forgiveness? So mm-hmm. that's probably one one perspective we can begin on. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a few other perspectives to think of as well. W- what do you think of when you hear the word personal identity? You know, I, I feel like for me, um, mm-hmm. when I think of personal identity, um, I think of this in the context of my relationship with God, mm-hmm. because he's my creator. He adores me. He adores you, created you. Um, and he's the one who crafted and, you know, that whole workmanship poema mm-hmm. uh, in Ephesians 2.10, all of that mm-hmm. is part and parcel of how you started out before the foundation mm-hmm. of the world. And so there's this constant engagement where God, I love it so much, where he reveals himself. Mm -hmm. And then we see ourselves in the mirrors like, oh, yeah, that, that, I, 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 that's, that's, I'm a reflection of him. And so there's this constant growing up in the Mm -hmm. context of God who is love. And so, uh, and that's how we are in the image and likeness. And so me, being unveiled, revealed, um, growing, conformed, all these different things um, is all in that context. And so, you know, so that's kind of how, how I guess the short answer, I could keep going, but if that's helpful. Beautiful. I'm going to pick up on a few things that you said there. And um, I think one of the first things that stood out for me is understanding our personal identity in terms of, relationship that it's a relational reality that i am not who i am just by myself yes <laughs> or um for myself uh, and i think it it's brought out beautifully in genesis that the very definition of mankind is a kind of being that is reflective yeah. uh, a kind of being that uh, and reflection is something that um, is something that happens in relationship. There's no uh, reflection cannot just happen by itself. <laughs> yeah. And that complexity of identity, I think, is beautiful because uh, you know, within the Western world, we are very used to thinking of things and substances and we're not that used to thinking of movements and processes yes 
And that's probably one of the biggest things that changed for me in my understanding um, of growing up in Christianity and, and where it led to, is I started off with that typical idea that that who I am, Andre, was something that was designed and created by God and then placed within this body, and that my responsibility was really to simply discover what God had made. And what had changed for what what has changed for me over the past well few decades really <laughs> is to is to start um, appreciating that that view left very little creativity in the moment and the more i started enjoying this relationship the more i saw a god that so entrusts me and entrusts you and entrusts every one of us to be part of the creative process. That God's not actually interested in just making you and, and giving you the only responsibility to discover what he's made, but rather he's inviting us to become part of this creative process, to become part of this movement, this accumulation of value and meaning. Wow. I, I love that because it has such a high regard for, he has such a high regard for his kids, right? Because yeah. we get to partner where we co-create, he's the creator, but we're, we're creative. Of course, we're in his image and likeness and it's such a high regard and it takes us out of this. Okay. Did I do good? Did I sin? Did I not sin? And mm. making that the defining thing. No, yes. because who we are is in the context of this relationship and he's good and we're good. Original design, good. Very good. Yeah. yeah. And so Absolutely. we can rest. And the more we do that, our behavior, whatever comes up higher. Yeah. Because we're in this reflection. Um, mm. I was kind of interested. I, I know you have a psychology background and I, I have some, but, you know, didn't take that too far. Mine's more medical uh, model. Mm -hmm. I was a physician for uh, before I did all this. But um, uh, and, you know, I, I was thinking of you're getting ready to have a grandchild and I'm so excited yeah. for that. Congratulations. Now, when that baby comes, you will be yeah. in love with the baby. It's no. And there's something yeah. about as as that little one sort of wakes up and engages with the world mm -hmm. um there's this uh aspect of of when you're with that baby and you're gazing in that baby's eyes mm -hmm. and the and the baby's gazing in your eyes and there's this bonding process that's going on that is so beautiful <clears throat> mm -hmm. and in that there's kind of a defining like at that point developmentally the baby is sort of defining themselves in the context of their caregivers and this love engagement. Mm. So you're, you're staring into that little baby's eyes, the wind of that little baby's soul, and he's staring or she is staring into your eyes, um, you know, the, the windows of your soul. And there's this ongoing definition and this developmental process of what's walking out, but starting from the place of that relationship is how that little one starts to define themselves. And, yes. um, and I'm thinking, well, 
as we're gazing into the eyes of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And we kind of have this, I don't know if I'm saying this right, I'm sure it's probably wrong, but this mimetic thing, we're responding and there's a response back and there's this engaging. And in that there's knowledge and change and development of who we are and creativity and the one impacts the other, which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. So we do nothing by ourselves except in our minds. Right. And so, um, but when we're walking in the fullness of that relationship and having that growing, it changes how we see ourselves. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. I love the illustration of our, our relationships within families, with our kids. And whether I think back of when my kids were newborns or looking forward to our first grandchild, I think one of the things that makes that event so exciting is that it's just a bundle of potential. There's just possibilities beyond what I can even imagine. Now, sometimes in in some of the, you know, Christian doctrines, we've developed a theory of a God who kind of uh, decides the destiny of each person right from the beginning. And that would be like me taking that little grandbaby and saying, you are going to be a theologian or you're going to be <laughs> a philosopher or whatever. That would be just so wrong. It would be... Um, so manipulative. Yes. And I think the beauty of love is that it does not control, that it opens up possibilities. Yes. But with our children, with our grandchildren, we want to see their own spark of creativity to give a direction to their lives. And then we are there to, to help in whatever way we can. And that is so different from this vision of a God that is just manipulating your life to fulfill a predefined plan. How much more exciting it is to have a God who's on this adventure with you, to say, my plan for you, and it's so beautiful in Jeremiah, is to have a future and a hope. That's very broad, that's, yes, that's that can look not, like a lot of things. Yes, that's not very specific at all. That's the kind of plan that we have for our kids. We want you to have a future and a hope. But exactly what that future is, you can become part of that creative process. And and the second thing that you mentioned that is so beautiful is that that relationship changes us now we've been we've been very comfortable with thinking that that god makes an impact on us but we've been i think less articulate and less comfortable with the idea that we impact god um but it's unavoidable Love, those who have loved most deeply know that love transforms us. It changes us. And and the idea that this relationship that we are enjoying with God has an impact on him, in in some measure it, it forms and shapes and enriches him 
for me, that is mind-boggling, that your life is enriching God in some form, just like my children, just like my grandchildren that coming is going to enrich my life. Your life is an enrichment to who God is. Wow. That is amazing. And when you think about it, that's really scriptural because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've been, <clears throat> I wrote a book marked by love that we've been marked in love by love, by the person of love. Um, and you see that in various points, but also that we've marked him because he's, we're engraved on his palms. Yes. It's, like, it's like, oh, and then we have this relationship that impacts, love impacts. We yes. got, got so open to his creation that they impact him. And, mm-hmm. um, and what does that look like? And, uh, I think mm-hmm. that's part of the joy. I, I know you, I was watching one of your things and you said there is no joy with certainty because so much of the joy is the possibility and the potential. And God is the most joyful person on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> that, that for me is, uh, you know, another aspect that makes this relationship so adventurous. Um, I think God knows everything that can be known. But I also think there are some things that are not determined yet. They are possible rather than certain. And it's it's that kind of possibility that I focused on in, in what you've just referred to, that events that are possible cannot be reduced to certainty. Um, if they're certain, they're no longer possible. And if they're possible, they are not certain. <laughs> they're mutually exclusive in that way. And again, so much of uh, theology have tried to emphasize a God who is absolutely certain about the events that's going to unfold in your life. But when Jesus introduces us to his Father, he introduces us to one for whom all things are possible, not for one, to one for whom all things are certain. And um, that that for me is a massive change in the way in which we relate to God. A God who knows what is possible for your life and who does his best to draw you to what is most beneficial, towards what is most beautiful. But he is not certain what you will choose because the freedom, the freedom he has given us and the the possibilities he opens in front of us are real. They are possibilities. They aren't certainties. Um, and again, for me, that that makes this relationship with God so much more um, real. That we're not dealing with a person who's unaffected, who is who already knows the future with absolute clarity but rather a person who knows what is possible and is working with us to realize and actualize the greatest beauty and value for our lives. That's much more real, I think. Oh, it, it's it's beautiful. I, I once um, 
heard from uh, someone um, that kind of his will, because we think, okay, God, what's your will? And the straight line, ooh, I got out of your will. And you know, we start freaking out. But it, it's more like this playground, which is kind mm-hmm. of bringing out kind of what you were saying. It's, it's, it's a playground. And, you know, what are you going to choose? It's so much fun when you have a little kid. Are they, are they going to choose the merry-go-round? Are they going to choose the slide? Are they going to choose? Mm-hmm. Now, in that realm, you know, you, you didn't put a box full of knives. You know, that's not what you put in there. <laughs> but, I mean, if you insist on going there. But, you know, you put all this, these things and part of the joy as a parent. What yes. are they going to do? What are they going to like? What are they going to choose? And so he is able to have that joy in all this possibility of what we'll choose. And it's, it's the, in the process that is the joyful. It's because it's all relational because love. So everything's relational. And so, um, and so in that we can choose a myriad of things and, um, and that's fun. And he's with us in that, in that, because we're just in his image and likeness as creative people. So I don't know if that is resonating. I, I know it helped me. It does. It does. Again, I, I, I sometimes use the example of um, of a story versus a plan. Now, both of those metaphors have got good aspects to it, but I think we have often pushed the metaphor of plan beyond what was meant with it. We we kind of pushed it to the extent where God knew every detail of your future. And the, the contrast between plans and stories is quite enlightening because the best plans have got few surprises. But the best stories have got many surprises. You know, if you go to a movie and right in the first 10 minutes, you know who's the good guys, who's the bad guys, and how it's all going to unfold. You're bored with that kind of story. You bothered right, making this into a movie. The best stories surprise you. The best stories takes turns and twists that you did not expect. And it's only at the end that the beginning make sense and um, maybe if we understand our relationship with God uh, within the metaphor of a story more than within the metaphor of just plan now again I would say I'm so glad God does make plans and I'm so glad that he prepares things and we can walk in it but I think it's much more, as you say, it's much more like that playground. It's much more general. It's uh, and and within that general plan, there there's lots of room to maneuver. Uh, if we think of language, you know, language. Uh, the reason we are able to communicate and understand one another is because. There are certain rules to the English language, and if we understand the grammar, the rules of language, we um, we are able to construct meaning in a way that we can both appreciate uh, and understand. But the rules of language and the structure within which I make meaning does not limit the stories I can tell. I can tell a story 
um, that has never been told before. And maybe if we think of God not as the author of your life, but rather as the possibility of meaning, the one who puts in front of you the structure by which you can construct a story, by which you can create meaning and value that has never been created before, I think that understanding of our relationship will give birth to much more creativity. And it will also, I think, be more um, truthful to what we know within our experience. We, we know within our experience that we do have the freedom to do good and to mess up, to go in the right direction and to go into the wrong direction. That's, that's part of what we can observe in human life. But there's some events that we we find it hard to say that God has offered that. Um, and I think that's absolutely true. God is this possibility of meaning, this possibility of an unfolding story. But we've been invited to co-author that story and to create its meaning. I think that's so amazing. I can see some people kind of that being a scary concept for them because mm. if your security rests on certainty mm. and you got to have the boxes, you know, and you were talking about we have these these boxes of philosophy, theology, whatever, but they're dotted boxes. They're just help helping us get started so we have a, a language and an orientation to start with. But I, I think for the people that are like, that's really scary. Uh, because mm. I just want to know what it is, and then I, I just want to not deviate. But I, for me, the the beauty of it in the uncertainty um, is the relationship with the person of love that casts out fear. That you're secure in that, but that that doesn't change. God doesn't. God is always love. He will always be love. He will always be relational. He will always love you. He will always be there. He's just, he's, he's the constant in the midst of all this possibility. So now you can afford to be on a journey where you don't know exactly where you'll end up, or you might know where you're ending up, but you have no idea all the different things that are going to happen to get there, all of this, but the, the beauty and, and, and I think really the ultimate meaning is Mm -hmm. that you're doing it with him. You're doing it in relationship with him and others. Right. And we impact one another. Yeah. Those are eternal things. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and his regard that we get to co-create that he's not like, no, you have to do it this way and color in between the lines. But, you know, here's a blank page and here are the crayons. Go for it. Yes. (laughs) I love it. And um, it's certainly that suddenly my, my, confidence and my security is no longer in just being right or knowing the plan or you know my certainty is no longer the self-generated persuasion but rather my security lies in the fact that that I'm loved and um, I'm loved whether I'm right or wrong and that gives me even if we think of our beliefs and our doctrines um, 
God is so, we often meet people who are terrified that they're going to kind of embrace a wrong doctrine or wrong idea. God is not nervous at all. You know, he just, he wishes that we would use the creativity and the imagination and uh, the possibilities of meaning that he has given us in in making us human. And um, we can hold our ideas so much more lightly when we know that we are loved. Absolutely. Whether we are right or wrong, we are loved. Uh, and that kind of freedom I think draws us to what is good and what is beautiful much more naturally than the kind of strict rule-based authoritarian type of um, structures. Oh, that that is so true. And it is such a freedom to, I mean, we have to realize that none of us have our doctrine totally straight. So, I mean, I think when you have that, but, you know, it's not like, well, you don't have your doctrine straight, so you're going to hell and you're sending people there. No, yeah. it's just that we're all growing. Um, So yeah. I'm assuming there's stuff I've got wrong, but I'm okay because the one who is love has got me. So I'm, yeah. I'm good. Um, not that I'm trying to be lazy or anything else, yeah. but we're all in process. And so we can mess yeah. up. And we have, and that, that as sons and daughters of God gives us the capacity to risk, Mm -hmm. right? Risk because we're adored, whether we fall flat on our face, whether we get it right, whether we get it, we're just adored. That is the Mm -hmm. constant. Um, And, you know, and, and so this need to get everything correct, you know, is, I think is really a fear-based it's a fear-based. It's not a love-based thing. When at first day in medical school, when I sat down, I was just terrified and big wide eyes. And I was like, what is it going to be? And, um, and they literally told us, they said, 50% of what you're going to learn by the time you graduate will be wrong. We just mm. do not know the 50%. So we went in knowing 50% of what we're learning so much is going yes. to be wrong by the time you graduate. And uh, wow. so... That did me a favor um, because I learned to hold things loosely. Like there's still something you don't not practice medicine because you don't have it all correct. You do the best of your ability and trust that good things are going to happen. You do it with the pure heart and the training that you got. Um, And I think the same thing is, you know, there's I'm sure growing up, you know, in, in where you, the camps that you grew up in and, and, and I, I actually grew up heathen. So anyway, but anyway, but I went through different camps and yeah. a lot of different camps, uh, which yeah. I'm thrilled because you glean treasure in each. Um, yeah. But there was treasure there. It's yeah. just we build on, we grow because it's not about the camp or the doctrine or the yeah. it's about this ongoing relationship that you stake everything on. Absolutely. I think of Jesus as a prime example, a person who was born at a very specific time within a very specific culture, um, the, a very strong religious influence from his culture. And he did not, I'm sure he appreciated, I know that he found value in the culture and the history and the religion he was brought up in. 
but he also did not limit himself to simply fitting in with what what was there already. And I think all of us, we enter this world and this world is already filled with stories, already filled with meaning and for a very um, a large proportion of our life, we try and just find our space within this ongoing movement of narratives. But there comes a time, and it came for Jesus, when he decided, I'm, I'm not meant to simply fit in. I'm meant to contribute something new. I'm meant to draw what I'm part of into new creative expressions. And um, if I think of so many of the Christian audiences we we speak to, uh, I would want to tell them the same thing, that, that there's beauty in what you've inherited, but don't be limited by that. You are meant to create new meaning, to create new beauty. Jesus at one stage says the kingdom of heaven is like a, you know, a steward that takes out of that treasure chest both things, both old and new. There's stuff from our past that are treasures. (laughs) But if we simply stay with the ideas, the doctrines, the, the feelings, the the structures, the meetings that we've grown up with, we leave no room for creativity and it becomes stale and it becomes dead. (laughs) And we just want to go back to a meeting and hope that we can experience the same goosebumps we had 20 years ago. It is such a sad state of affairs. (laughs) I think when Jesus introduces this idea of a new creation, Mm. it's not new as in one singular moment when you made the decision for Christ, things became new. But rather, it's a whole way of life that every day is supposed to unveil a newness of life, a newness of creativity. Boy, that is, that's so beautiful. I I love the way, and there's a connection in, as I'm hearing you talk, between being fully alive and being creative. Mm -hmm. Because when you think, even even biologically, um, you know, things that are, fully alive they produce they multiply they there's an engagement um and as human beings in the image and likeness of god as image bearers of god um being creative is a releasing it says wow there's life in there i can tell yeah. when i'm getting um when i'm getting where where i'm not where I'm maybe uh, getting burnout or I'm, you know, there's stuff going on, maybe starting to shut down a little bit if there's a lot of stuff going on or whatever, when my creativity drops. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then I know it's time to go back to my source, the, you know, the one who loved me and gave himself up to me and whatever needs to happen because when I'm fully alive, I'm creative. 
Yes. And um, and and that's the beauty. It's not in competition with God. It's not, well, I'm God. I'm the only one who gets to create. You just get to follow my orders. Um, <laughs> yeah. We are we are not on marching orders. We're in a mm. relationship. And yeah. um, that that produces eternal things when we're just tracking with that in this in more of a dance. It's very there's a lot of mystery there. Uh, there's a lot of space that's not filled yet because it's potential. And so, and we get to do that. And, Mm -hmm. and, and that brings back wonder in our life because we can wonder, you you know, we, we like to escape. We were talking about going to the mountains and, you know, resting and, and the beauty of South Africa and all of that. And, and, and that beauty, so much of its restorative power is in this idea of wonder and mystery that we, 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 we tend to disconnect ourselves from when uh, we take on this purely Western mindset of having put everything in boxes and have certainty. Uh, There's wonder. And that's life. That's joy. That's, um, that's, that's being fully alive. And so I, I, I love that take that you brought out. Love it. Love it. No, there is. There's a depth to every moment that experience that is so, that is inexhaustible. It's beyond um, our categories, and and we we do. It's useful to have a science category and a religion. You know, if we need to speak and um, study and do those things, but there is that element of experience that goes beyond any one of those categories because every moment has got a connection with the entirety of this universe, with the entirety of the history that has brought it here. <laughs> and and if we allow ourselves to to let go of those filters that only allows the small percentage of this moment to impact us, I think that is the very experience of God. You enter into that sense of the wholeness and the the completeness and the inexhaustibleness of, of the wonder of existence. And, Maybe that is, you know, I think that is part of John's idea of incarnation, that that creation, all of creation in some form is incarnation, that the values and the possibilities in the mind of God finds actuality within flesh, that the the gospel is not that you can one day ascend and go beyond your just your human form and become more divine. But rather the gospel is that it has always been God's idea to become human, that his dreams and his... um, the, the potential he sees for value to become real in our world is a potential that needs your flesh, that needs your body. It's in your life 
that God becomes tangible. It's in your life that he finds a form of existence that he desires more than the isolation of logos without flesh. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. And for, you know, one member of the Trinity for eternity is a human being and divine. Mm-hmm. And that that's his high regard. And in the church, we have, you know, for so many uh, centuries, we were just, it was all about the sin issue and all about that. And mm-hmm. we, we just, we missed the mark of, what it's really all about. Mm-hmm. Not that sin is a good thing. Obviously, we're loved and God doesn't want um, us to harm ourselves, harm other people. He doesn't want us to reap destruction, all of that uh, when yeah. we choose uh, poorly. But that's the, the that choice is not what matters. It's our relationship. And out of that, there's a, there's a fullness, you know, as you remain in me and me and you, you'll bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. This is relational. And yes. the fruit that comes out is a byproduct of relationship. Yes. And okay. um, wow, that's a wow, that's that's amazing. I, I love that. So he loves our humanity. What yes. a concept! <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's. Uh, I think that this, you know, the the way in which both the philosophers of old and the theologians and even today still we we're so tempted in splitting the complexity of existence into the extremes of eternity on the one side and time on the other side. Um, uh, uh, We can think of many of the contrasts like infinite and finite and the whole and the parts. But I think in Jesus, we have this amazing example we uh, because what most of the theologians have done is they have used some of the qualities as exclusively divine and some of the other qualities as exclusively human so god is infinite god is eternal god is all of these things and we are temporal and we are finite and we we are f- fragments But in Jesus, we see this beautiful uh, harmony of contrasts where the infinite finds expression in finite form, where the eternal God is present within this temporal realm, where, where temporality and being part of this moving, changing world is not just the result of a fall or something bad, but it's actually something of incredible value, that your finite temporal existence is of infinite value (laughs) to our Abba. And that's part of this beautiful mystery of incarnation, which is not just a word that should be reserved for Jesus. That that was obviously a very unique event. But he came to unveil what is real for all of us. I I love in 1 John 5 verse 20 where it says, um, what is true in him is true in you. That what we what we see revealed in Jesus is uh, unveiling 
of what is possible for us. That you too are an incarnation, a continuation of the thoughts of God taking on flesh, of the possibilities in the mind of God being actualized as value. And for me, that is so special because it means that there's there's a part of God that is made of you. (laughs) And, you know, that part of God, I cannot experience that part of God just in my private time of prayer and fellowship. That part of God I can only encounter as I encounter you. And I think that gives us such an incredible opportunity to value one another, not as not as individuals that are separate somehow from God, but as parts of the whole, uh, as as parts of the God <laughs> who we love and adore. But there's part of this God that I only come to know as I come to know you. That's that's yeah. amazing. And his expression through us, which is why when we are not tracking with ourselves, when we're trying to be someone else or please someone else or do what we think is the good things to do is being good little Christians or or whatever, good little Muslims or good little whatever's um the expression of God on the earth realm is hindered, right? Mm. And so, right. So this is, this is the, you know, it's uh, the manifestation you being unveiled is so divine. It releases creation from its bondage. And so God wants expression, which is fascinating because then, you know, when we're, when, uh, when uh, Jesus was praying that I pray that we may be one as, you know, I and the Father are one, him and us and us and him, that we may be all together in one. There's this oneness. There's oneness within the Trinity, and then there's oneness within all of creation, and there's oneness with one another, and there's oneness, obviously, with God. And this is God's heart to bring it together so that we're all reflecting and um, uh, being being the fullness of that expression on the earth realm so it's it's a it's a heady beautiful expression and i yeah it's 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 you know we're partaking of the divine nature all of that there's so many scriptures that point to that which is why it's very sad when we're just making it all about sin or no sin or whatever mm-hmm. um that we miss the greater that yes. that lifts us out of ways of being that are not even who we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I love it, Catherine. Thank you so much for, well, thank for this you. conversation. Yeah. It's been wonderful. Now you are you are heading over to the U.S. tomorrow. Yes. Is that correct? Oh my god! Um, in a couple of days, a couple yes. Of days, yes. We'll, we'll be there on Friday. Wonderful. Well, that that is so exciting. Uh, we're we're happy to have you over here. <laughs> we need you over here. <laughs> um, and I know you're going to be spending some time with your new grandbaby that's coming, and um, and then traveling. Do you know? Do you have? Do you know what your 
um, where you're going to be visiting to give people a heads up. And it's okay if you don't have that on the top of your head, because I'm sure it's complicated. A few of the things are still kind of settling, a few of the appointments, but um, we'll definitely be in um, Texas, in um, near Dallas, and also uh, near San Antonio. And we are doing something in Omaha, which is near um, Kansas City. I will probably in the next week, I will put out on our newsletter the um, itinerary. We might make it to um, Arizona. We might make it to to, um, Colorado. All of those things are still kind of (laughs) in in the works. (laughs) It's evolving. Well, it will be amazing. Um, however that rolls out. But thank you so much. This has been so much fun. The Lord told me this was going to be wonderful, and it was. <laughs> <laughs> I so loved it. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you so much. And everybody, make sure you share this. And um, if they want to contact you, I, I put up, I'll put up your website and the different things that you shared so that they know how to get in touch with thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Well, wonderful. And everybody share this and everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you again, Andre. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.